Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Great to be with you here this Memorial Day weekend. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I am joined by my big sisters, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas, and Liz Dolan in Santa Monica, California. Hey, girls. How's it going? Hey, sister. <laughs> hey, hey. Well, well, I'm on a really short fuse, sisters. This is Julie. Uh, I got off the plane from Peru and was immediately on assignment here in Texas, where uh, my husband and I are babysitting our three grandchildren. Uh, Their parents went to a wedding in California. So we have the three kids. They're downstairs with my husband. (laughs) It's been raining nonstop for the last 48 hours. So at any moment, things could blow. So we've got to talk fast today. All right. And then just put on Frozen on a repeat loop. Just do it. Just put it on. Today, we do have a full show. Sheila and Monica cannot be with us today because, shockingly, they are vacationing together. Because that's (laughs) something they very rarely do. Even though they spend a lot of time talking to each other and planning things, they're actually on vacation in Bend, Oregon. Sheila spending her Memorial Day weekend there with Monica and some other family members. So uh, they're relaxing and swimming, I understand, and that's great. But we have a full show. Julie is not only on assignment from uh, for babysitting, but she has just returned from Machu Picchu. Many of you have that on your bucket list, so she's going to tell us how her trip was. Liz has a medical update for her situation with the twitchy. Yes. Twitching eye, twitchy eye. (laughs) Which I had no idea was as common as it is until I saw our Facebook group. And people just had all kinds of self-diagnoses, self-medication. It was getting medically dangerous there on the Facebook group. So I'll tell you what my actual MD said. And you also were watching TV all week in your grueling job. So you picked out a fall TV ch- <laughs> a fall TV show for each of us. So that's exciting. Yes. To look forward yes. to. It's going to be an exciting season. And then I have a couple of really big updates uh, on um, toast and, <laughs> and something else we talked about last week. Just had a really good toast moment today. To share. <laughs> uh, but first, Julie, you are back from Machu Picchu. Uh, how was it? You wouldn't even tell me the other day on the phone. You're like, I'm saving it for the show. I'm saying I am saving. This is what happens that we don't have real conversations. We save them for the podcast. Okay. I have seven, seven great thoughts about Peru, Machu Picchu. Now, first thought, Machu Picchu, you have to go. That's it. Okay. Everyone pack your bags. You have to go. I mean, I know, I know it's like almost a cliche to go to Machu Picchu. I know everybody, a lot of people go there. Uh, You know, you might think that you're going to be disappointed because it's not going to be as great as the pictures or they're going to be too many people. Just go. Really? Really? It is. Here's the thing about Machu Picchu. Okay. It is. It is an absolutely spectacular site. I mean, this Inca village on top of uh, on top of a, a mountain in the middle of the jungle. So it's at eighty four hundred feet, and you go up there and you see this stonework. You see houses. You see temples. You see gates. You see. You know, it's it's an incredible site, and that would normally blow you away just to see something 
that is such an engineering feat. Like, how did they get those rocks? How did they do that? How did they build all that stuff? How did they bring it up there? I mean, they had hydraulics. They had, you know, they have all kinds of engineering. They had, they thought of everything. I mean, the Incas were, were pretty good. They didn't have the wheel, which was kind of... <laughs> oh, that must have been a drawback. Oops, uh, that, that would have helped a lot. That was, uh, that How was old big... is Machu Picchu, Julie? Do they know when it was actually well, built? They... They feel like it was built in the 15th century, Liz. That's when they, you know, that a lot of it oh. was. Uh, would and develop. still no wheel. Huh. Yes, yeah, still no, no. They, oops, uh, that was <laughs> that was not so good. But sometimes the, it's just one detail. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but they had a lot. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. But here's the thing: it's the setting. I mean, you cannot believe the mountains that 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 first of all that it sits on, and then the mountains that are surrounding the Machu Picchu. So the Incas believed that mountains were gods, and when you're on top of Mount Machu Picchu, you do too. I am telling you, you're so overwhelmed with the physical setting because you can, you know, as far as you can see in any direction are, you know, are peaks, and they're they're young mountains caused by tectonic plate movements, and so they're very high, very steep, and then in the background you have see snow-capped mountains. They have the snow level at Machu uh, in Peru starts at about sixteen thousand feet. Oh my so they're gosh! Really, yeah, this is these are really majestic mountains. So. It is overwhelming to be up there. You, it, it takes your breath away and you just, you can't even, you need to at least two days up there. You can't take it all in. But if you only have one day, you got to do <laughs> You got to do what? Sorry, you faded out there a second for me. Oh, Julie. Hello. Talk to me, Machu Picchu. Hello, hello <laughs> Peru. Oh, wait, okay. Julie. Hold Julie. on. You, you cut Julie, out. You, you dropped out, so... Whatever your last thought was, say it again. <laughs> okay. Sisters, you know how you uh, we say that Machu Picchu is on people's bucket list? Yeah. Well, do not wait until you're 80 to go because <laughs> it, no, I mean, honestly, it's too hard. It's too difficult to do this. So, so go as soon as you can, uh, but don't bring, and you shouldn't be eight either. Don't bring kids. This is not for young children. I mean, it is physically demanding uh even just walking around the site up on top it you know you're on top of a mountain so but go soon and here's the other reason you need to go soon because right now in peak season which will be june july and august they'll have 5000 visitors a day and that's a lot of people up there in fact unesco has told machu picchu that they need to cut back to no more than 2500 visitors a day so it's going to be more it's going to be more difficult to get to Machu Picchu because because they they want to protect the site so you need to go now so don't wait till you're too old and you're going to love it it's it's like it really I mean it wasn't on my bucket list I mean I just went because I went with my friend Susie we do these trips like every four or five years we try to go to some place you know, interesting, different, exotic. Um, and, uh, but, and so she had recommended this and I was like, okay, but I, I, it wasn't like I really wanted to go. And now I'm so glad I went and I want to go back that, that much. So really? Yes. Yes. I definitely want to go back. Yes. Leon. it's, there's, there, you get up there. There's, it's, it is an amazing site. Like you don't, of all the spots in the world, you don't want to miss this one. If you are physically able, you should do this. Second thing is Peru, good country. 
Yes. Let's okay, I was asking. I was going to ask about your experience of Peru. Peru is a very good like? country as a tourist. Okay, Liz, for you, first of all, the airport is excellent. Okay? <laughs> Airports are good. Okay, they're not. They're efficient. The planes come, they go. They have good security. You know, the whole thing operates very well. So transportation in uh, in Peru is above average, okay? Because I've let's just face it. I Liz, you've been to some sketchy countries. Yes. I've been to plenty of sketchy countries with sketchy airports, yes. poor transportation, especially sketchy airports at high altitude. You yeah. know that can that adds an element of danger to the sketchy airport scenario. So yes. that's good to hear. Okay, yes. so so it's um, so that you know that works out well. We took the train to uh, Machu Picchu, okay? We took the train and then you take this shuttle bus up um, the last 30 minutes, up this super windy uh, road to get you there. Excellent train ride. One of the, this oh, yeah. has the best train ride of my life, okay? okay? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the scenery is spectacular. So excellent service on the shuttle buses, first class shuttle buses. These weren't like you know, you didn't feel like you were going to fall off the road, even though it was quite possible because it was very, very <laughs> steep. Okay. So that's what I'd say. Transportation in Peru is excellent. The Peruvian people, they're very friendly, very warm, open. They, you know, they're open for tourism, you know, so it makes every interaction we had was super pleasant there. So that was that. I mean, that's a big plus. And you know, my Spanish is pretty limited. So, <laughs> so that we did, I, we did just fine. We did just fine there. Okay. And I'm a fan of Peruvian food. Okay. Well, I'm going to get to that. That's a whole nother point, Liz. Okay. Down to that. She has seven points, okay. Liz. Oh, so oh, I forgot. Seven points. That was point two. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Okay. Sorry. Peru is good. Point three, the Inca Trail. Don't do it. Okay. You know, you know what the Inca Trail is? No. This is never heard of it. Can people uh, like to retrace Hiram Bingham's um, uh, hike into uh, to discover Machu Picchu? Hiram Bingham was a professor at Yale University and the early 1900s. He rediscovered Machu Picchu and he did it by hiking four days up and down through the jungle, crawling on his hands and knees the last bit in order to find Machu Picchu. And uh, many people uh, would like to recreate Hiram Bigham's hike. So you can hike into, into Machu Picchu if you want. I just say no. Now, now, Leon, I know you're not a hiker. Okay. You no, know, right. you don't have to convince me not to hike the Incan Trail. That's, <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm happy Here's to hear there's a good train for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, there's an excellent train. It's hard. It's, you go up and down, like, you know, you climb 12,000 feet, then you go down 8,000 feet, then you climb 14,000 feet. So there's a lot of climbing. It's hot. Again, we're in the jungle. Okay. It is not. It's, it's hot and it's buggy. Uh, and there are a lot of people on the trail. So uh, I don't feel like I missed anything. I don't feel, you know, I saw some of the people coming off the Inca Trail as they come into. Um, and they into looked bad. They look terrible. They look terrible. They were just. I'm they, sure there's some kind of documentary you can watch where you get the feel for what it's like on the Inca Trail. I have no doubt the National Geographic Society has done this. Yes, so so I, I will look around and, and see what so I can I find say, for you. Thanks, Liz. Send it on. Send it to everyone because just I say just skip that Inca Trail. Point four, Liz. Where this is food. Peruvian food. Oh my gosh. It's, Delish, isn't it? 
It's delicious. I mean, you name it. If you like quinoa, if you like potatoes, potatoes, rice, yeah, tomatoes, uh, peppers. I mean, they have delicious beef. You know, they everything is good. Lian, it is a carbohydrate lovers, uh, you know, dream. Thanks One for singling me out. Thanks for singling me out. Well, you're Lian, a potato lover. You I do love that potato. after we were in Ecuador. Yeah, Lian, they have this one dish, saltado. Okay, oh. it's like. Beef. You know this dish? Yes, Ooh, yeah. It's good. It's the beef and the onions and the tomatoes, and they serve it with French fries and rice. Leah. You can't <laughs> same time. I mean, they, it's just everything was delicious. You know, every meal was great. Uh, so again, as a tourist, it's it's a, you know it's so interesting the mix of. Asian foods and Italian food and Spanish food and indigenous food. It, it is all good. Okay. So, so, you know, even picky eaters, you're going to enjoy the food in Peru. Uh, point five, pan flute music grows on you. Can I just say that? <laughs> it better because it's pretty much, is it the only thing they've got going at all? Because that's, that's the impression see, you it get. Seems like, it seems like it. You know, it, it is the, you know, a brunt of late night TV jokes about yeah. the pan flute. But I did find myself tapping my toes to some of the pan flute music that I heard. And it's everywhere. It's on the train. It seems like every restaurant you go into, it's in the airport. It, it, it really grows on you. So, uh, so I would, I would definitely, um, it's, you know, I, don't, don't, uh, don't stay away just because of the soundtrack. Yes, that's exactly right, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now point six, uh, I just want to mention again, because <laughs> Machu Picchu is hard and the, the following footwear are not appropriate for Machu Picchu. <laughs> and I want you to make a list because, uh, my friend Susie and I saw it all. So Tom's, Uggs, Chuck's, Wedge boots, leather boots, Kim Kardashian black patent uh, sneakers are not appropriate for Machu Picchu. It's at 8,000 feet. It's on top of a mountain in the Amazon jungle. People, you must respect Mother Earth. Earth or Pachamama, as they say in, in Peru. What? I, Hot Mama? Pachamama. Pachamama. Okay. That's Mother Earth. Yes, yes. I mean, it's a fascinating country because of the of the indigenous culture, and they're they're really not too fond of those Spanish uh, conquistadors. But just to see the clash of cultures there, to see how that played out, uh, you know, it's it's a great place to visit. And my final point is, I just I did not get to everything. I was only there seven days. We were like on the move the whole time. We were trying to see as much as we could, you know, go to markets, uh, you know, uh, hike, do stuff. But we, so I did not get to drink a Pisco Sour, which I think is the national drink of, of Peru. Because mm -hmm. uh, my friend had had a very unfortunate experience with Pisco Sours 30 years ago. Oh. And she kept saying, do not drink that drink, Julie. You will regret it. I think she set her hair on fire or something. I don't know. I don't know. So she was pretty down on Pisco Sour. So we didn't do any of that. I did not get to eat the guinea pig. Okay. okay that Julie, that's a huge relief, it's, I think. That, I'm very relieved. I okay. think many listeners will be relieved. I, I mean, it's on many menus. I mean, you know, and it's, they serve it. I saw it all grilled up. I see what it looks like. I just didn't get an opportunity to do that. So maybe if I'm spend more time in Peru, I will be able to do that. I don't think that needs to be on your bucket list. I well, really, it's, it's sort of a side issue, but well, okay. it is their national dish. That's all. That's all. I but would it's stick not, with saltado. It, just stick with the okay. saltado. 
saltado, yes. And then finally, I can still cannot uh, differentiate camelids. Do you know that there are four different types of camelids in Peru? The alpaca, the llama, the vicuña, and the guanaco. And I can't tell the difference be- between those. We oh. didn't spend enough time. But baby alpaca in an open market, I can now tell the difference because we did a little shopping. Little, so it's great. It's a great country. And it was just, it was a great experience on multiple levels. I mean, it was physical because we did, once we were at Machu Picchu, we did climb up a, a very high, you know, it's it's called Huana Picchu, which is the, a big peak that you can then look down on Machu Picchu. And sadly, this is, it's rigorous enough that they make you sign in uh, when you're hiking and then oh. sign out and you have to put your, your nationality and your age. We were the two oldest people oh. in Hawana Pichu. <laughs> My friend Susie, who's 60, 61, well, you know, she was the oldest on the list. But we did it. We were fine. Yeah, way so to throw what's... Susie under the bus. <laughs> no, she's, she's proud of it, Leanne. You got to be, be proud of it. Yeah, okay. you're not there yet. Why should no? If Susie's older than you, that's just a fact. That's not that's a judgment. That's a fact, Leanne. Okay. And we're going to get T-shirts that say we climbed HP, Hawana Pichu. And, and people who know will know. Okay. We didn't hike the Inca Trail, but we climbed that thing. So it's, it was very, very steep. So, um but it was so it was it was a you know it was physically um, uh, demanding and then just you know so interesting on so many levels so uh, you know two thumbs up for Peru uh, you both would love it you both you would absolutely love um, Peru and it's a great experience. Okay, would wow. Julie? Would you say it was awesome? <laughs> yes, Leah. It was. It really was. It was awe inspiring. When you're up on top and you're looking around, you're like, oh, you, you, it takes your breath away. Okay, excellent segue into a very interesting article I read in the New York Times today. And I read it, and then I thought of you and your trip to Peru. Uh, And it's an article by two social scientists who have actually been studying awe and the value of awe in the human experience and what awe brings to our lives. So one of these professors uh, argued a couple years ago that he thought the collective experience of awe you know, when we're all watching something like fireworks or, you know, whatever, it might, all seeing Machu Picchu for the first time, everyone in your tour group, what that might be like, actually inspires us to be better human beings. That, that, that collective sense of goosebumps makes us realize our place in the world. We're humbled by it and we're actually better human beings. So that was his theory. Okay. Uh-huh. So then he's designed a whole bunch of research to prove that theory. And he, in fact, has proven that that is true, that when people experience some kind of awe, then they turn around and we're nicer to each other. Okay. And here's the experiment that they did, which is really funny. It's pretty simple, but uh, one of the professors is a professor at Berkeley. Uh, the other one's a professor at UC Irvine. But Berkeley is famous for this huge grove of trees that they have there, these 200-feet uh, trees, these blue gum trees uh, that the the psychology professors thought inspired awe every day. So he decided to take this group of people. Half of them looked up at the trees for a minute, and the other half of the experiment just looked at the side of a building in the same area. They One was looking at the dull building, the others looking up at nature and the trees. And then they staged someone walking through the scene, spilling their backpack. Okay, And they discovered that the people who were looking up at the trees, experiencing this awe, were actually the ones that were kinder and helped the person who spilled their backpack 
put their backpack together. Whereas the people just focusing on the buildings, like in their own selves, not experiencing any awe, couldn't have cared less about the person who smelled the backpack. Isn't that, that, Isn't is that fascinating? fascinating? Yeah. Well, so yeah. The design of the experiment is fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and they've thought to understand why does awe arouse sort of altruism? And it's that awe inspires people with a different sense of themselves. One, as I said, that's smaller, that's humbler, that you see yourself as part of something larger. And then they started to, to take a look at, you know, how our lives have changed in the last 50 years with us becoming more disconnected. We've just frankly inspire, we, we uh, see less awe in our lives because we're so connected to our devices. We're so individual now. We're in front of our screens. We're in our cubicles. Uh, we know we have a nature deficit. Uh, and often they're talking about, these social scientists said, they believe we have an awe deprivation situation going on. That we just don't get out enough. We don't get out in nature. We don't do things collectively. We don't watch fireworks together as much as we used to. They they noted that live theater performances, attendance is down for live theater and live music and any and at galleries and 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 things like that. We don't go out and just open up our eyes to something that inspires awe. And so and they they're concerned. They're concerned about awe deprivation. So Julie, I think what you did it inspired you, didn't it? it made you feel it humble, did. made you feel yes, part of something else. And now look at you, you're coming home and you're babysitting. That's so <laughs> nice. See, <laughs> that, I, is, that is really interesting and in that it would be a collective experience of awe yes. that, that they're really looking at rather yeah. than the sort of, you know, Henry David Thoreau ver- vision of being out somewhere in nature all by yourself. Right. Uh, so they said, go but, out with, with your friends and just go look up at the night sky. Or, you know, if you live in a big city, sometimes even just staring at, you know, the big buildings, the skyline of New York, that inspires awe, things like that. It doesn't have to be nature. But, you know, go go to a play with people. Go to an art exhibit with people and, and you know, be awestruck. And then you may find that you actually are nicer to one another. So there you go. Okay, passing that man. on. I like that very yeah. much. I, I hope it lasts a lot. I hope... Oh, sounds like we lost Julie again. Not sure what's going on there on the Dallas, Texas connection today. Julie, hola. <laughs> Julie Dolan. I'm back. Okay. okay. All right. Not sure what happened. Well, you know, we just, you know, listeners, sometimes we just don't edit that out because we want you to truly experience collectively <laughs> what it's like for us to do this show together. The people awe dr- of Skype. Yeah, people Skype. drift in and out. It's just a metaphor for real life. Uh, so I'm back, I think. <laughs> so we don't think we need to fix that. Okay. All right. Great. Oh, let, let's all get a little more of that. More awe. More fireworks. That's what I say. <laughs> I love fireworks. Okay. At the complete other end of the spectrum, going like within myself to something teeny tiny about me, Liz Dolan, <laughs> that I, I mentioned last week. Um I confessed on last week's show that I've been having an issue with like eyelid twitching, that particularly my left eyelid seems to be doing a lot of twitching and that this had been sort of carrying on for enough months that I thought maybe I should ask a doctor. You know, you just think, well, obviously I'm not worried about the twitch. I'm worried about what the twitch could be a sign of. So I go in and I see my doctor on Monday 
And even just mentioning this on the show last weekend provoked so many posts on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. Could you believe how many people out there have twitchy eyelids? Well, I've Mm -hmm. had a twitchy eyelid. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, people, (laughs) we're all twitchy. I've I've had moments of twitchy eyelids, yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think we need to talk more then because (laughs) if if we're all having twitchy eyelids but not not talking about it, then we think we're alone having (laughs) our twitchy eyelids. Anyway, so I walk in. My doctor is there. She, I explain, I'm here for a twitchy eyelid situation. And then while I'm there, I also want her to listen to my cough that I still haven't gotten rid of since I was in Guatemala. But anyway, I'm mainly there for the twitchy eyelid thing. Oh, first, you know how with the electronic medical records now, whoever the the nurse who's doing your intake has to like put in what you're there to see the doctor for. And there's some kind of code for everything. Well, apparently there is no code for twitchy eyelid. She she kept trying to call it something else. And anyway, whatever. She ended up just making up some completely uh, unrelated uh, thing that I was there to see the doctor for. Anyway, the moment my doctor uh, heard my complaint and looked at my eyelid, she said, oh, that's blepharospasm. And I'm like, oh, it's actually a thing? I don't know. I just thought it wouldn't be its own thing. I would have thought that it was part of a larger thing. And she's like, no, it's called blepharospasm. It's just like minor eyelid twitching. And uh, it's not usually serious, and most people experience it. And uh, she said so it's usually associated more with lifestyle things, which is dun 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 dun. Whenever I hear the word, oh the word. no! Whenever they say lifestyle factors, they really just mean you are not taking good care of yourself. <laughs> and uh, she said it's lifestyle factors like fatigue, stress, lack of sleep. And use of caffeine. Mm -hmm. So any of those going on with you? I'm like, uh, yes, 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 and yes. She's like, okay, I I think we should just start there. I don't think that there's some, I don't need to run a lot of tests, though she did do blood tests just to see if it was my thyroid or people on the Facebook group said it was a magnesium deficit for them. That appears not to be the case in my case, Julie. My magnesium is fine. Everything else is fine. I I just appear to be suffering from fatigue, stress, lack of sleep, and overuse of caffeine. Uh, So, and, you know, I actually think fatigue and lack of sleep, isn't that the same thing? But whatever. Yeah, I'm trying to narrow it down to just three things I'm doing wrong. So, on the one hand, I was very satisfied that it was something super common, easy for her to figure out. And here you go. Here's what you do about it. But then I just don't know what I'm actually going to do about it because some of these things, I I don't know how you make them go away. But but there you go. For those of you at home, you wanted to know the exact word, blepharospasm, B-L-E-P-H-O-R-O-S-P-A-S-M. And uh, I just got to, I don't know, sleep more stress mm-hmm. last. It all comes back to like sleeping better, eating better, exercising better, right? That's so annoying yeah. <laughs> that there's no other, there's never any other explanation. Uh, so, um, you I'm know what, Liz, to- I do have to speak up on behalf of reducing your caffeine. Yeah. You have know, you done that? Yes. I have really reduced it in the last couple of years and I do feel a lot better 
and I haven't had a twitchy eye in a long time or any of that stuff. I don't drink any caffeine, any coffee afternoon. I've cut out all diet soda from, uh, you know, maybe I'll have, you know, one Coke every six months or something. I don't know. It really makes a big difference. I think as we age, more caffeine is not a good thing. Do you drink coffee all day long? I don't. I drink a lot of coffee until noon. Okay. <laughs> You're not right. fooling anyone, Liz. I know, no, I, but I don't. I don't drink it afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe switch to decaf after a couple of cups. You know, that's, see if that's you can. She said. Or see if you can. She, she, she said, try a little decaf or try a little green tea. And you know, it's just when your doctor is saying this to you, the annoying part is. You already knew this, yeah. yes. you know, yeah. but whatever. So, yeah, I think I could cut down on caffeine. I, that I don't think. It's more of a habit. Like I just right. get up from my desk at work right. and I need to wander around a little bit. So I wander towards the coffee machine. There's a water machine right next door to the coffee machine. There's, you know, hot, and hot water for tea if I want to do that. I'm just like in a coffee rut. Yeah. So, you know, I what I should be doing, just like one or two good coffees a day yes and then don't drink all that crappy office coffee that's you know, what i that's it doesn't what even I taste good why yeah, are you it doesn't it? taste good after the second cup really no yeah so um well, work on that one liz because yeah. that seems easiest because you have a job that's creating the stress the lack of sleep yeah. and the fatigue so yeah. that's going to be harder to attack but the coffee if you feel like you know you got one of the four legs under control right you know okay all right i'm going to start with the caffeine that was my doctor's suggestion too okay. so that seems like something doable so speaking of my super stressful job as i mentioned this was the best week of year in my job uh, every year, there's one week a year where those of us who are in the international television business spend the whole week just watching TV because the all of the U.S. networks have picked the shows they're going to make for the fall. And then all of the studios show them all to us who work in international TV so we can figure out what we're going to buy. So even though I have nothing to do with buying and I really have no authority over this of any kind – in the, you know, 125 countries where I work on an entertainment network, I still get to just spend the whole week watching TV. So it was, um, it's really a lot of fun. So again, I'm not, I feel like the twitchy eyelid, you know, this is not that stressful. <laughs> it's, it's only TV. So uh, anyway, so I, I promised this last week that I would give you guys kind of an update on what's going on in the overall TV world. And then um, I also picked out a show that I think each of you will enjoy. So one show for each of the sisters. Uh, but first, I guess everybody already knows this, but when you see every new show for every U.S. network back to back over six days, like eight hours a day times six days, you realize in the TV world, you can make whatever new concept you want but you still have to solve crimes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, yes. no, ma no matter how outlandish the idea, there still needs to be a crime solving aspect to your show. Procedural is, procedural yes. is the term, right? 
I so know you're that's saying, cool. Liz, if we if Satellite Sisters, if we were crime fighters, yes. we would be able to have our own show? I okay. think that's what's been holding us back, Julie. <laughs> Clearly, we are not fighting crime enough. And you have to solve the crime inside every episode. Right. Yes. It can't be one of those. The other word is serialized. The serialized dramas, that's just too hard for people to remember the clues week to week. <laughs> so uh, you need the sort of episodic procedural but serialized character development, right? So that's what you kept hearing, you know. So anyway, so for instance, there's a new show. There's a new Frankenstein show. So you think, well, that's interesting. You know, Frankenstein as a weekly TV show. I'm interested to see what that is going to be. Well, guess what? Frankenstein is born and becomes a crime fighter. So there you go. <laughs> it's, it's still, it's like a Frankenstein procedural. It's like... The people solving the crimes are just getting more and more outlandish. And the crimes are just the same old crimes. There's, that is there's, so stupid. I know. Oh it's incredibly gosh. stupid. And I, the, the, um, that particular show, I think the working title now is Frankenstein Code. I don't know what the title will really be when it hits the air. But basically they create the Frankenstein because they need the DNA to cure the cancer of the woman who is the scientist. So there's that whole drama that's going to play out in a serialized kind of way. But then it just so happens that Frankenstein comes back as a sheriff. And so... Wow. Yes. And Frankenstein knows... This is making my eye twitch. (laughs) Okay, not as much as the next one, Julie, which is called Blind Spot, um, where they find this mysterious tattooed lady naked lady in the middle of Times Square in a duffel bag. Okay, that's the setup. Okay. Naked lady in a duffel bag in Times Square. So as she steps out of the duffel bag, you see that her body is completely covered with tattoos. So you think, huh, this is an interesting setup. Where are they taking this? Well, guess where they're taking this? Every one of the tattoos has to do with a separate crime that they are now going to go out and solve. And so week by week, they're just going to look at a different tattoo on her body and figure out what crime is that going to um, point them towards. So she, it turns out, speaks Chinese and was a special operations, uh, like Navy SEAL kind. All of this stuff gets revealed. It's not too much of a spoiler. It all comes out in the pilot. So she has all of these. Thanks, Liz. (laughs) Thanks a lot. She has these secret skills that will reveal themselves over the course of the series. But all of the skills will be used for crime fighting. Uh, So, so there's that. And no then, doubt she will very shortly have a serial killer who haunts her because that's <laughs> the other thing that every crime drama must have now is their yeah. own resident serial killer that just keeps reappearing yes. like every sweeps week. Yeah. Okay. Per- Can't stand personal that either. stalkers. Yeah. Personal stalkers. Right. People who uh, just have been put on this earth to serial kill for their purpose, for their yes. benefit. Okay. Exactly. And then here's another one where it's like really big concept. But still, it's about solving crimes. Uh, the incredible Shonda Rhimes, you know how many fantastic shows she has on the air. Well, her new one is called The Catch. And in The Catch, uh, the star is a forensic accountant, which really does not sound that glamorous, Shonda, right. except uh, as the forensic accountant, they've cast uh, Mireille Enos, who you may remember 
as Sarah Linden from The Killing. If you remember, Detective oh right, Linden, okay. Uh, she of the lumpy sweaters in yeah. uh, in The Killing. Well, there is not a lumpy sweater to be seen in The Catch. She is now the world's most glamorous forensic accountant, which means she is doing what, sisters? Solving, solving crimes. crimes. <laughs> solving crimes. Yes, she is solving crimes. So it's all about, like, I don't care who else you are in life or what else you do. If you can't also solve a crime, you are not going to get on uh, on television. Uh, that's just not going to be happening for you. So um, I guess that's what people like. They, they enjoy the sense. All of the research that you ever hear about in TV is like people like that resolution at the end of every episode. Right. And they and they say it's particularly true of women that we like to see bad guys caught every week. And I don't know, because I don't really watch those shows, but (laughs) apparently I'm just just passing that along. That's why we keep getting more and more of these shows. But so with that, they don't catch bad guys on Nightline every week, every night. Liz, (laughs) you watch or. Yeah. No, no. The Daily Show. Yeah. It's not about crime fighting. <laughs> I just don't really. The uh, what do I watch? You know, like the the incredible Kimmy Schmidt. I mean, of course, a crime sets up that whole show <laughs> that she's been in the underground bunker. It's one of the Indiana Mole women for all that time. But then the crime is over. We're not solving the crime anymore. So anyway, so now I, so I picked out a favorite show for each of you. Oh, well, that's very nice. of Yeah. You. Thank you. None of these are procedurals because really there are 800 on the air already. There are another 300 coming in the new season. Get your own procedural. Like uh, how many, <laughs> okay. there are so many CIS, uh, CSIs and, and CISs and whatever, just more of same. But anyway, so let's start with, um, okay. I picked out a show for Sheila that I think she would like for two reasons. Uh, the name of the show is The Family. And I thought she would like it because it stars Joan Allen, you know, who's really great and everything. And Joan Allen is a woman. The story here, it sort of is the drama side of the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt thing. Oh. Her son was kidnapped 10 years ago. And in the pilot episode... They find him and the son comes back into the life of this family. And so the family has to figure out like what's happened to him and how do they carry on with their lives. But the reason I think Sheila would like it is because the young son, whose name is Adam, is played by Liam James. And for those of you who are careful listeners to Satellite Sisters, you may remember Sheila tutored Liam James. Uh-huh. He was right. the star of the movie The Way Way Back. Oh, right. Remember? He was wonderful in that, too. And he was wonderful. wonderful in that. He's wonderful in this. This is a really hard role. But you may recall that Liam, while he was working on The Way Way Back, he's Canadian and needed to take some kind of exam. So they hire teachers to come in and help administer the exam. So Sheila was the teacher who was hired to come uh, work with Liam James and administer the exam. And I remember her saying on Satellite Sisters what a special, special kid she thought he was. So anyway, Liam is on this new show called The Family. I have no idea what network it's on. You can look it up. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good, though. Joan Allen's a good actress. Oh, so yeah. This is cast. really, I think this is yeah. really, really, this was one of the more interesting shows I saw. Yeah. With. Okay, Julie. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. I, I have one for you. Uh, I just don't know the name of it because (laughs) during the course of the day we were looking at this, the, you know, titles change a lot at this point in the development series. So 
at one point it was called Boom. At another point it was called The Bakken. And now the working title appears to just be Oil. Ooh, oh, anyway. right. I've seen the pro- it's oil. I've seen the yes, promos for it. It's it's oil. Oh, it's and got so, a good cast. So it's all about the oil boom in North Dakota and all of the people that it's attracting to North Dakota to look for oil and gas. And so it's about this, you know, boomtown in North Dakota, but very much a wild, wild west kind of feeling. Uh, anyway, I know that this whole the Bakken Shale, it's called, right? And Yes, the Bakken Shale. It's very big, Liz. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that your international businessman husband is knowledgeable in this realm. Yes. So, so I, okay. thought, I thought this would be hilarious for you two to watch together because you can be pretty <laughs> certain that the geological aspects of what's being explained on this show are completely bogus. <laughs> you know, that is... <laughs> Isn't okay. it Don Johnson? Well, we'll Don Johnson, yes. yes. Don Johnson is the star of this. Don Johnson. So and this Dar- is coming out this fall? Okay. Yes. Well, yes. We're- so basically, it's Dallas in North Dakota. And Don Johnson is the J.R. Ewing. He's the, he's the patriarch of the Briggs family. And they own a lot of this land. So they're, he's the good guy and the bad guy. And there's, of course, like a young upstart challenging him and all of that. So I think you would at, at least take in one episode. Absolutely, uh, Liz. You should do that. Okay, Liam. Yes. Now, oh, I can't it wait. Goes, it goes without saying, this is too obvious, so this one doesn't count, that your number one show of the new year will be The Muppets. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the promo is so fantastic. It's so great. Yes. Have you seen the promo that mocks the office? Oh, it's really yes. good. It's yes. it's fantastic. So they the show is not completely done. So yeah. they normally they play a whole episode for you, but for the Muppets, they played us that promo and then they played an extended ten minute clip. Yeah. So it's the Muppets as you know them and you love them, but with slightly more adult themes. Yes, edgy, edgy them. Muppets. It's, yeah, I it's like Muppets it. for grownups. Yeah. So that's just an automatic. So I thought that was too easy. That didn't count for me for a recommendation for you. What I am recommending for you is a show that's called Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Have oh, you heard about that's this a one? good title. No, I haven't heard about it, but it's a good it's title. It's an excellent title, and it has a very interesting story. So this show was uh, originally made for Showtime. So it's kind of edgy. As you may have guessed, right. it's about a crazy ex-girlfriend. Uh, the, the actress in it, her name is Rachel Bloom, but it's a musical comedy. There, there is oh, singing. fantastic. Yes, there is singing and dancing in this, but it was made for Showtime, passed on by Showtime, after it was made and now picked up by the CW. Oh, so oh I love CW. Yes, I, love CW. I know you do. I know you do. So, so, so because it's a Showtime pilot, that's what we saw. You can see the parts that the CW is just going to have to cut out because the CW is not Showtime. But I think even once they cut out the edgier, sexier stuff, this is going to be a super fun breakout show for people like you. For oh, adult, that sounds for, great. For adults who like the CW, and there yeah. are many of you out there, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend starring Rachel, starring Rachel Bloom, I say go with that. Oh, okay. that's and, I'm psyched for that because I miss Smash. That was the other musical show that I liked watching, and that disappeared. It wasn't yeah. very good, but I still watched it. Okay, Liz, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Thank you. This, to me, looked a lot better. I've, I stuck with Smash, too. This looked much more fun, much more original than Smash. Just to give you a taste of it, the first big musical number mm-hmm. is entitled 
West Covina, California. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's right up your alley, Lynn. It is. That's where she moves to in search of her ex-boyfriend. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, okay. And then quickly for Monica, uh, there's a, there was one uh, medical show that was just too hilarious to even recommend. It's a show called Code Black, which stars Marsha Gay Harden. And oh. it is a really, really good medical drama, except for the ludicrous theme in this show is that every time the ER is like overcrowded and stretched to its limit, they get to what they call code black and a giant alarm goes off saying like, code black, code black, code black. And I'm just like, I can't, if Monica was on, I would ask her if that has ever happened in an ER that she's worked in. But I'm guessing that that would be the exact opposite of what you would want to have happen in an ER when you're stretched to your limit. So I am not, even though I thought code black was kind of a good show, once that happened, I just could not, in good conscience, recommend it to Monica, who would know the difference. Uh, so I'm recommending to Monica um, Scream Queens, which you may have heard about. This is Ryan Murphy's new show. So this is Ryan Murphy, who created Glee, who created American Horror Story, who created Nip Tuck. So Scream oh, okay. Queens is described as Heather's meets Friday the 13th. Oh, Wow. So, I think if you loved Heathers, yes. which I believe Monica did, I know I did. I suspect maybe you guys have seen it and liked it. Um, so it's a super edgy murder mystery starring Jamie Lee Curtis. As oh, a, well, I like that. Like, it all happens in a sorority, and Jamie Lee Curtis is like the grown-up at the college or the university or the sorority. Anyway, so that was really good. I say... You know, you can't wait for Scream Queens. That's going to be a good one. And the one I picked for moi, which I posted uh, in our Facebook group during the course of the week, is a show called Billions. And this is a show about Wall Street uh, starring one of my faves, Damian Lewis. Oh. Oh. You know, he plays Wall Street bad boy who is kind of a good guy, bad guy, like good guy. The community loves him, but of course he's cheating and stealing. And, you know, the, so the prosecutor, the federal prosecutor in New York is out to bring him down. And now this part, Leanne, you might not enjoy this part because this part is played by Paul Giamatti. I don't think you're a Paul Giamatti huge fan, right? No. And it's Paul Giamatti basically being Paul Giamatti. He's like, ooh, you know, the way Paul Giamatti is. <laughs> In every role. <laughs> In every Angry, That role. was so accurate. <laughs> but, it, but it totally works in this role because he is the federal prosecutor for the Southern District of New York. And he is going to bring Damian Lewis down. So this has like Wall Street stuff going on. It has legal stuff going on, but not a procedural, right? He doesn't have to solve the crime every week. But it also, because of its setting, you get awesome New York real estate. Oh. You You get beautiful New York apartments. You get beautiful Hamptons beach houses. You get all of the over the top things that come with big glamour shows about billionaires. And, uh, and of course you get Damien Lewis. Um, as that billionaire. So hard to beat that. So billions. Is he British, Damien Lewis, or American nope, Damien nope. Lewis? New Yorker. Ah. He's got, he's rocking the New York accent. Yeah, he's from Yonkers oh, in this. Okay. So Ooh. he's the boy up from the street, made his billions, uh, lost all of his partners on 9-11, and rebuilt the business from nothing after 9-11. So 
and maybe not entirely legally. We don't really know that okay. yet. Anyway, I, that show is going to be on Showtime. So those would be, that is my, um, that's the one thing I saw all week that I thought I will for sure watch. So there you go, sisters. That's the best I can do for you. Um, the only other awards I would like to give out over the course of the week is, you know, I told you it's sort of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All of the studios are whining and dining you as you go to a different studio every week. So I would like to give the um, best breakfast to Sony Studios. <laughs> the grilled cheese sandwiches for breakfast were an excellent idea. Uh, best lunch to um, to Warner Brothers. They bring in all the high-end food trucks, so you get the lobster roll truck. Oh, so yeah. best lunch to Warner Brothers. And best dinner to my own studio, 20th Century Fox, because they did a whole Empire party and inside a soundstage. Not only did we get the cast of Empire performing for us, but they did the whole inside of the soundstage as Club Leviticus, which Ooh. if you watch that show, you will know, <laughs> you will know what I mean. So anyway. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, well done, studios, and uh, managed to come up with five shows that are watchable in the new season. So so there you go. Those are my Good report, Liz. Liz, Good complete report. report. All right. I know, Julie, that you have to go very shortly because of uh, I'm watching the clock for you. I know you're on, you have a single hour, so. Um, you Nana time. I'm just going to give a couple of quick updates. Uh, oh, you know what? I'll save this for the Tuesday show. Should okay, I? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's, uh, well, I'll just share my toast moment. Um, yes, please do. Just yesterday I saw an ad for Pepperidge Farm cinnamon swirl toast, like bread that you could toast. Mm -hmm. I saw an ad, a print ad, and I immediately like put down the magazine, got in my car and went and drove and bought some of that bread. <laughs> Leon, I have to go and get some toast. And I came home. I think I've eaten half a loaf. I mean, it's just the most delicious thing. It's not the one with the raisins, which I can't stand hot raisins. But uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm making note of that. People make note of it. No not, hot raisins. Not, not cinnamon no, raisins. No lilies for Leah either. <laughs> no lilies. I'm allergic to those and no hot raisins. And uh and so there you go. A cinnamon swirl pepperidge farm toast. I can't recommend it highly enough. Okay. okay. That's wonderful. That is going way back to our youth. It I is. Really, yeah. It is. There's nothing with a bit. I hope you put a lot of butter on it. A lot of butter. Just, you okay. know, one good pat. One good pat of butter, Jill. That's what I put on it. Uh, so, yeah. So I'll, I'll leave my other update for uh, later on in the show. Um, you can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. Uh, we did post a couple of interviews this week with some authors. So I hope people enjoyed those, got a chance to listen. We had some, we had some audio problems with Elaine Gage, but um, her book, The Ladies of Managua, well worth reading. Uh, Julia, I think I will, I'll send it to you now that you've enjoyed Peru so much. Maybe Nicaragua. Yes. Is your next is your next uh, country, um, and Julie? I know we wanted to end yeah. with sort of a special dedication this week. Yeah. Uh, a member of our family who was very very special to us. Yeah, we want we lost um, our cousin Anne this weekend, um, and you know we've talked about this on the show before that we that the Dolans had a pretty unusual and just incredible childhood. Our mother had eight children. She had an identical twin sister, Eleanor, who had nine children. 
and that we spent a great deal of time growing up together with our cousins. Um, and as we grew up, we, you know, we faced tragedies. Um, our uncle was killed in a car accident um, uh, when my aunt Eleanor was pregnant with our, with our, with our cousin, the ninth child and Billy. And from that moment on, we were almost inseparable. Our, our dad and our mom just, you know, took it on that they were going to help my aunt Eleanor raise these nine children. And as kids, I don't think we ever realized the tragedy or the sorrow of that situation. For us, it was this incredibly fun situation because there were nine morning stars, eight Dolans, and there was a pretty good mix of boys and girls. And so everybody had their own cousin. You know, it just kind of lined up in terms of age, right? I mean, we did a lot. We we did big events, little events, major holidays. You know, I, I know that I went and spent weeks down and living at the Morning Stars. So we had cousin exchanges. So we really did spend so much time with each other. And, you know, and Anne was my cousin. She was a year older than me. She was so smart. Oh gosh, I wanted to be as smart as Anne. She had she was a great reader. She had the she had the best sense of humor. I don't know if you remember Anne's laugh, but she loved to laugh. Yes. And you know, she was funny and fun. She was athletic. And just because she was a year older than me, you know, I was a little intimidated because she just seemed like, oh my gosh, I wanted to be Anne. And one the other thing about Anne, she was incredibly kind. And she was so nice to me. And we we really shared a life. We shared clothes. We shared a love of raspberry sherbet ice cream. <laughs> we shared some petty crimes. I have to admit, <laughs> in our teenage years, there was an incident on a ski bus that I won't go into. Uh, but, you know, we went to camp together. We learned how to play tennis together, learned how to ski. You know, we just, we you know, we shared a bed at times. You know, we just... We're, you know, growing up, we were always with each other, you know, and that, um, and while we hadn't spent much time during our adult lives together, it was interesting. It was at our mom's funeral. Anne was there and we, she's a grandma, Anne was a grandmother too. And we shared that great joy of being a grandmother with each other. And we just hugged and laughed and, and so it's, we're really going to miss Anne, you know, and, uh, and she, she was, she's in a special place, no doubt, because she was a great mother. She has three wonderful sons. She has grandchildren and, uh, and she will be missed. I feel a big part of me is, is not there, you know? Yeah. The, I think this unusual arrangement with our cousins really meant, <clears throat> We each had at least one spare sister. <laughs> so yeah. that when it wasn't exactly. even like cousins. Because when your mothers are identical twins, it's really like just another spare sister. Yeah. You're half siblings genetically. Yeah. So But we, only but almost better because there was no rivalry. Yeah, right. exactly. Where you might have had rivalry with uh, you know, sharing issues with your sisters. With your cousin, that was special. Yeah. You know, that was yeah. special time together. And that's uh and that I will always remember. 
She was a great fan of the show. She uh, was. She was a real listener of the show. She lives not far away in Ventura, California. She was a teacher there for many years. And um, she would come to our performances where we did some stand-up or book signings. And it was it was just – she was the nicest person. She was just a warm, lovely, lovely person. And it's uh, – she was – she had been fighting leukemia for a couple of years. I think we told you last year she had a bone marrow transfer and we saw her just a couple months ago. We had a really fun dinner with her in Santa Monica and she looked great and then things took a turn for the worse. And so it was a surprise to get the email yesterday. A real surprise. A real surprise. And she'll be so missed. So, so missed. Yeah. And they, you know – they like like us. They have a lot of really great sisters' pictures in their family yeah. because there are what five morning five star morning girls, star girls, yeah. just as there are five Dolan girls. And so there, it was. Uh, so their Facebook pages today are full of just some beautiful pictures of those five girls. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so anyway, Anne, we love you and we will miss you. Okay. Um, so. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It just goes to show how important just the, the feeling of sisterhood is yeah. throughout, whether they're your actual sisters or, you know, as we've always represented on Satellite Sisters, just the sisters you find out there in the world who are just good to have in your life. So the that's all, the only thing we've ever stood for here at Satellite Sisters is that. So that's why we always end the show by saying, don't forget. Call your satellite sister. Days, cliches and throwaways. Trying to learn better ways. But it's getting harder to survive. Change moments that rearrange the only fight that remains is called keeping hope alive.
And the biggest fight that reigns Is called keeping hope alive